You're listening to the Oddscast, the original UFC betting podcast that's straight to the point. Hosted by leading MMA oddsmaker Nick Kalikas and MMA journalist Brian Hemminger, they provide you the absolute best UFC betting info, picks, statistics, and analysis from the most respected authority in mixed martial arts betting. MMAoddsbreaker.com. Don't place your wagers without us. Welcome to the Oddscast. I'm Brian Hemminger, joined today by leading mixed martial arts oddsmaker Nick Kalikas of Circus Sports to break down this Saturday's UFC Fight Island 6 event, which takes place on Fight Island in Abu Dhabi. If you're unfamiliar with our format, Nick and I will break down the fight card from top to bottom, providing extensive analysis and a pick for each fight after doing our film study for the event. UFC Fight Island 6 features an 11 fight card in total and will be aired exclusively on ESPN Plus this Saturday night. Let's dive right in. Now, kicking things off on the preliminary card is a bantamweight contest between Saeed Nurmagomedov, who is 13-2, and two, and Mark Striegel, who is 18-2. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Quick note before we get started here. All the opening odds that I will be quoting are market prices from MMAOddsBreaker.com, our opening betting odds article for UFC on ESPN 38, Ortega versus Korean Zombie. So make sure you check out MMAOddsBreaker.com and head over to the opening odds article, and you'll see exactly the lines that I'm quoting. All of the updated pricing is from Circa Sports here in Las Vegas. So all of the updated and prices that I'll be quoting from here on out will be from Circa Sports. Now, getting right into the first fight of the night, as Brian mentioned, uh, Nurmagomedov opened minus 365, the comeback on Strigel at plus 300. And right now what we're seeing over at Circa Sports is currently Nurmagomedov minus 400, the comeback on Strigel at plus 325. So line margins have tightened up a little bit, line moving a little bit more towards Nurmagomedov. Not really that surprised. I mean, there's going to be a lot of parlay action coming in his way as well. Um, I mean, he's been impressive in his UFC career thus far, for sure. I think he's a very talented fighter. Just the last name, Nurmagomedov, is going to race in my eyebrows, of course. Uh, with that legacy and with Khabib and everybody else, all his, you know, relatives, cousins, whatnot. I mean, so you have a lot of pressure just with that last name, I think, alone these days. But that being said, I think he's done pretty well. I mean, he's coming off of a loss to Barcelos. It was a close fight. Barcelos is one of the best guys in this weight class, though. So you got to give him a little bit of credit because, I mean, you're losing to one of the best best bantamweights in the world. So he's right in the mix, I think. And Nurmagomedov is definitely in the upper tier of the bantamweights in the UFC right now. And he's got a tough ha- fight on his hands here against Strigel, though. Strigel is a very talented fighter, making his official UFC debut. He has some solid experience against decent competition along the way. Um, I like what I see from him. has power in his hands. He's more of a grappling, wrestling-based, ground-fighting, stylistic um, fighter. But that being said... He's more than capable of doing some damage on the feet as well. He, he, like I said, with that experience and with the pressure that he typically uh, puts on his opponents, he's not an easy stylistic matchup for anybody. So Strigel deserves to be in the UFC, deserves to be getting this shot here. I just think Nurmagomedov is going to be a little bit too much for him. I think he's just probably going to be better everywhere across the board, everywhere that the fight takes place. But Strigel will definitely have his moments in this fight. So I don't think it's going to be an easy win, but I think it will be for Nurmagomedov another one on his victory belt, so to speak. So he will get back on track here and, and get things uh, going in the right direction again. So my pick is Nurmagomedov in what should be a pretty fun fight. Yeah, Strigel's a pretty interesting character. He uh, He's entering the UFC on a four-fight win streak, but the fight that actually got him to the UFC was a, a no contest. And 
His last fight was in April of 2019. His last win was over two years ago. So that's my biggest concern. You know, 32 years old, making a UFC debut, uh, and especially in the Bantamweight division where um, they are very unkind to anybody over 30 years old, pretty much. Um, I think uh, this is just a tough fight here. Um, Strigel, like Nick said, is a guy that looks more to take fights to the floor and Saeed is a tremendous striker, very exciting striker, throws a lot of wild, crazy stuff on the feet, really entertaining, uh, and also technically sound. Um, and he also has pretty good takedown defense. Now, it failed him a little bit the last fight where he ended up uh, giving up a late takedown and losing a close decision. But uh, against Strigel, I think uh, his takedown defense is going to hold up just fine. Um, and he keeps this upright and he should just completely dominate Strigel in the standup. Uh, this is going to boil down to whether Strigel can get takedowns early and often. And I just don't think he can. Um, and Saeed is just too talented to, uh, let this one pass him by. He's a guy that I think will be back. will be into the top 15 at some point in Bantamweight. It's just a stacked division. Um, but this is somebody to definitely keep an eye on moving forward. I think, uh, Nurmagomedov at some point either wins a one-sided decision or scores a TKO along the way, accumulating some damage on the feet. So Nurmagomedov is my pick. Now moving up to the light heavyweight division, we have Gadsim Murad Antigulov, who is 20 and 7, taking on Maxim Grishin, who is 38 and 2. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Grishin, minus 200, Antigulov, plus 170. And right now, looking over at Circa Sports, we have Grishin at minus two, or minus 385, excuse me, the comeback on Antigulov at plus 315. So minus 385, plus 315, and that's up for minus 200, plus 170. Difficult opening line to set. I mean, Antigulov is one of these guys that he, obviously, in the first few minutes of the fight, he's so aggressive, and he's so strong, and he's got technical skill with that submission game. It, it's just sick. I mean, he's so dangerous and so capable of finishing fights early once he pounces on a submission, you're in some serious trouble. So you have to respect the power. You have to respect his technical skill. You have to respect his ground game for sure. But he's flawed for sure. He definitely has a problem with his gas tank. If he can't get the fight to the floor, he'll get beat up on the feet a little bit. Grishin is the more technical fighter. He's making his second fight in the UFC. He, he did make his UFC debut at the heavyweight division just to kind of get on the roster and get a shot here. So this is rightful the rightful weight class, I should say, for Grishin to be in um, and competing. And I think he's going to have a much better result than he did in his debut. Even though he was respectable um, with that performance at heavyweight, I still think um, this is, again, a better matchup for him. Although he's going to have to weather that early storm and not get caught up in anything Antigulov has to offer on the ground. Grisham has to fight smart, but I think along the way, again, he is more technical. I think he's got better defense, and I think he will end up hurting Antigulov and probably finishing him and getting him out of there after he weathers an early storm. So, dangerous at the betting window, I think, and that's why it's kind of a difficult one and a difficult line to set, especially out there for the fans that are kind of newer to the sport. They might not know who Grisham is exactly, obviously, but if you look back, he's been around the sport for a long, long time. He's a savvy vet, and he belongs in the UFC, so I'm glad he's finally here. And he's finally fighting in the right weight class. And I think he's going to have a good little run here, starting with this win over Antigulov. So the pick is Grishin at the betting window at minus 385. I would stay away from it, though. Yeah, there's basically two ways this fight goes. Either Antigulov picks up a finish in the first minute or two, whether it's a submission or ground and pound or something really aggressive. 
Um, or Grishin survives it and then he finishes Antigulov. Um, I mean, this fight is absolutely going to be, uh, stopped in less than three rounds. I mean, there's no way this goes to the scorecards, I don't think. And, uh, Antigulov is dangerous. So if you're thinking that Antigulov has a shot to win, bet the prop, bet like, uh, the Antigulov in round one prop, because that's what he does. I mean, if you look at his track mark in the UFC, his last three losses were all in the first round. And then, uh, his wins, his two wins in the UFC were also in the first round. He has not left the first round in his five octagon fights going two and three so far. Um, and throughout his career, historically, almost exclusively, he's been a, a first round fighter. So that's what he's going to do if he wins. So, uh, the prop on that shouldn't even be too bad. So I'd, I'd go for that for sure. If you're going to bet Antikulov now, Grishin, on the other hand, as Nick said, he is the more well-rounded fighter here. He's much better on the feet. I think, uh, he's just in a better position here and, and dropping back down to a uh, light heavyweight, um, should be really good for him. I think, uh, he's going to have some success here. I think, um, he lights Antigulov up on the feet, and as long as he weathers that early storm, this should be a cakewalk for him. But again, that early storm is going to be very dangerous. But I think Grishin does survive it, so Grishin's going to be my pick. Now, dropping down to the lightweight division, we have Faris Zayam, who is 10-3, taking on Jamie Malarkey, who is 12-3. Now, Nick. Where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Zayam opened minus 235, the comeback on Malarkey at plus 200. Zayam, excuse me, I'm pronouncing that name wrong off the rip, but it's Zayam minus 235, Malarkey plus 200. That was the opening line. And right now, over at Circus Sports, we're seeing Malarkey actually the favorite of minus 135, the comeback on Zayam at plus 115. Line flipped, more actually coming in Malarkey's way. Understand it. I mean, if you look at who the more well-rounded fighter is, it's definitely Malarkey at this stage of the game. Zim is more of your striking-based fighter. He is improving on his ground game. He's improving on that takedown defense, of course, where Malarkey, even though he does have a, a bit of stand-up and you have to respect his power and his ability on the feet, I think he has kind of a more diverse skill set right now with the ability to, to wrestle a little bit, get the fight to the floor, and, and utilize some of his grappling skill set as well. So Zim is going to be more of the defensive fighter as far as the grappling realm and the exchanges and what we're going to see as far as um, transitions or whatnot. And Malarkey is going to be the one that's going to be offensive for sure on the ground. That said, Malarkey does have, again, some respectable power and ability on the feet, but I think Zim is actually the more capable fighter. And I think with his length, with his movement, with his ability, with his accuracy, I like what I see from this kid. I mean, both these guys are young. I believe Zim is 23 and Malarkey's 26. So both these guys have a lot of room to grow as fighters and they're going to keep on improving fight by fight. Um, but the way these guys match up, I think it'll be a difficult test for Zim, but I think along the way, uh, he's going to be the more durable fighter. I think his conditioning is a little bit better as well. And I think he's going to find his moments. If he could keep that distance and keep the space, I think he's going to have a little bit more success. So I will go against the grain and I will pick Zim to actually get the W. Now, of course, at the opening price, there's no doubt I would have bet Malarkey plus 200. No question about it because you're getting extreme value. And I think right now where Malarkey is the small, slight betting favorite, almost a pickup type of fight, you can make the case that he should be. Again, he is the more diverse overall fighter. He has more skill right now as far as the overall game goes. So I understand that. But you have to respect ZM here. 
um, as well. And I think he can win this fight. So this is a, a close fight. Pick him type of pricing. I think is fair. I'm going to pick Zim actually to pull off the upset. Now the slight upset, um, not saying that the opening price again was correct. I do think that the dog value was there early on, but right now the value might be on Zim the other way at dog price as well. So my pick is going to be on Zim and I'm interested to see this fight. It should be a good one. Yeah, this is a really interesting fight because, uh, both guys are coming in off of losses, uh, but they were entertaining losses, especially, um, Malarkey's loss. I think that's why the line flipped. Um, Zium does have a lot of potential, but when Malarkey lost, it was to Brad Riddell and it was a fight of the year candidate, uh, last October, a year ago, um, at a UFC 243. Uh, Zium, on the other hand, um, he stepped in and he just, got outworked a little bit by Don Madge. Uh, it was not the best performance. I think, uh, you know, it was a clear cut that Madge had won the fight, um, where with Malarkey, I mean, it was extremely entertaining. So I also think conditioning wise, it's not quite as bad as it looks with Malarkey because that last fight, the pace got pushed so heavily that any fighter would be slowing down in the third round. So I'm not going to hold it too much against Malarkey for getting tired um, in that last fight against Riddell because, again, you you don't always have a fight of the year candidate when you step in the cage. Um, so if he paces himself a little bit better, I think he'll be in good shape. Um, and as Nick said, these guys... Zium is the more dangerous fighter on the feet, but Malarkey is more well-rounded. And I think that he does have the ability to pick up some takedowns along the way and take Zium out of his game and, I think, help him win a decision here. I think uh, he'll do enough with takedowns to keep uh, Zium on his toes a little bit, and that should allow him to ride out some uh, rounds and also keep ZM a little bit more on the defensive on the feet where he's not going to be able to be as aggressive as he would like and go for some of the strikes that he would like because it would open himself up to being put on, put on his back. So I'm going to side with Malarkey. I think he does win a decision here. Now, Moving up to the middleweight division, we have Jun Young Park, who is 11 and 4, taking on John Phillips, who is 22 and 10. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Park open minus 220, the comeback on Phillips at plus 185. And right now, what we're seeing over at Circa Sports is currently Park minus 280, the comeback on Phillips at plus 235. So, another case where Park did get bet up a little bit, more chalk action coming in his way. I mean, we're talking again about more well-rounded fighters at this point of the game. It's definitely Park here in this spot. He's got power on the feet. You got to respect his striking somewhat. He also does have a good ground game, solid wrestling skill, good grappling to go along with it. So Park is the more well-rounded fighter where Phillips, he is getting better. You have to respect his guillotine chokes. You have to respect somewhat of his submission game, but it's more of the power. He's more of a Mike Tyson type of heavy hitter on the feet. You got to respect that for sure. So he's capable of putting your lights out. And if Park wants to get in a firefight against Phillips here, he could be in some serious trouble. So that's not the path he wants to go. He wants to take this fight to the ground and utilize his advantage there over Phillips. Phillips is showing some life, though. I mean, despite that being kind of a weakness for him, he has showing decent defense or improving defense, I should say at times, and the ability to get back up to his feet sometimes where he needs to. But overall, again, that's kind of the path of victory here for Park for sure. It's kind of utilizing um, his skill set and getting this fight to the floor, grinding him out, making this an ugly type of fight and looking for submission or ground and pound stoppage on the ground over Phillips. So 
I am going to lean with Park to get it done. Um, now, as far as matchup-wise and where the pricing is, I don't believe in Park all that much late, almost 300 though, at this price. So I think you guys kind of missed the boat if you haven't bet Park already. It's a dog or pass situation at this point, so you got to probably stay away from this one as well, unfortunately. So my pick is Park, though, to get it done. And I'm also going to side with Park. Um, the main thing here is we know what we're getting with John Phillips. I mean, this guy is a brawler with a ton of power. Um, he lost his first few UFC fights, I think first three, and then boom, gets a 14 second knockout win over Emadovsky. And then they rewarded him by having him fight Chimiev in his last fight, where he got completely obliterated. Um, so we know what we're getting. Uh, if a fighter has really, has decent wrestling, they can take Phillips out of this game. I mean, he, he's a guy that wants to keep it upright. He wants you to slug it out with him and he wants to land those big bombs. Um, the problem is also, even on the feet, he's not that technical. I mean, he's very dangerous and powerful, and if he connects, he can put your lights out. But I think Park is actually the more technical striker, too. So on the feet, as long as Park doesn't get clipped with something nasty, he should be even outpointing Phillips on the feet, and then that will set up the takedown even better. It's just going to come down to, can Phillips knock Park out before he shoots in and takes him down. And I think that there's a very high likelihood that Park is the one to, to get those takedowns. So uh, I think Park gets the takedown, potentially gets a submission along the way. And I think he actually does outpoint uh, Phillips on the feet as well in those exchanges. So I think he's going to open some eyes here with uh, some decent standup. Uh, Park is a pretty well-rounded fighter um, and, uh, Looked really good in his last fight against uh, Mark andre Berrialt, and I think that he's going to look really good here. He just has to avoid getting clipped because that's what John Phillips can do, and it wouldn't shock me if Phillips does it, but I think the highly more likely outcome is a, a park submission or a park decision. So park is my pick. Now, dropping down to the women's flyweight division, we have Jillian Robertson, who is eight and four, taking on Pollyanna Botello, who is eight and two. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Robertson opened minus two thirty-five back on Botello at plus two hundred, and right now, over at Circus Sports, we are currently seeing Robertson minus two hundred. The comeback on Botello at plus one seventy-five. So, another spot where we are seeing two-way action coming in. Early on, it was Robertson actually getting some love. Now, as we get closer to fight time, Botelio is getting some love as well. And we're going to continue to see, I think, a decent amount of action on this lady's fight. It's intriguing for sure. Robertson looks fantastic. I mean, and her ability to take the fight, obviously, to the floor to utilize her wrestling and her ground advantage over most of her opponents is where it's at for her. And she's not trying to hide it. I mean, that's exactly what she's going to do here as far as game planning goes. She want to. She wants to come in here, take this fight to the ground, and look to submit Botello. I mean, that's her path to victory, clearly. Botello, on the other hand, she hits hard, man. I mean, she has the power. She has that killer instinct on the feet as well. Uh, I like she's an exciting fighter. I like what I see from her in all aspects of the ground or all aspects of the game, I should say, but her ground game defensively is what you have to be concerned about. And again, stylistically, this could be a very difficult matchup for her, but I think her takedown defense is actually decent. And I don't think it's going to be easy for Robertson to get in and kind of bully her to the floor. I think Botello is going to be able to sprawl, brawl, keep this fight upright. In fact, she might even be able to get top position where Robertson's a little bit uh, less dangerous. Obviously, I think Robertson's more of the grappling style style uh, fighter that she wants to more so get top position and kind of dictate 
the tempo and, and the control on the ground her way instead of being placed on her back at times and, and getting dictated to, if that makes sense. So I do believe that Botello is going to be able to kind of keep this fight where she wants to keep it, and she's going to beat Robertson up on the feet, and I think she's going to do more damage. So I think people are sleeping on Botello because of her loss to Cavillo. I understand that, I mean, you know, that fight doesn't really look good for her, especially her defensively on the ground, like we said, but Cavillo is a different uh, type of fighter here, despite some similarities to Robertson. I think Robertson isn't quite on that level, and I think it's kind of going to show here. So I think people are doubting Botello a little bit too much, and I think she's going to probably pull off the upset win. So I'm going to pick her. There's probably a little bit of value there as well as the underdog, um, but again, I wouldn't be shocked to see uh, Robertson kind of utilize what she's coming in here to do and get this fight to the floor. So that's the concern. If you're a Botello better, you got to be worried about I think the value is there enough that you could probably take a small stab of Botello and, and see what happens here. So my pick is Botello. I think she's going to sprawl, brawl, keep this fight upright, do more damage, and win this fight. And I'm going to go the other way. I think um, Botello, while she is good on the, the feet, um, the ground game just isn't quite to that same level. And you got to look also at who Botello's fought and beat so far in the UFC. Yes, she's 3-1, and one, but look at the three people she beat. You know, Pearl Gonzalez, Siri Kondo, and Lauren Mueller, you know, those aren't exactly world beaters in the women's f uh, flyweight division. Um, Jillian Robertson, on the other hand, has had uh, a lot of fights against some really tough fighters. You know, Molly McCann has had a good run. Uh, I think most recently the, the victory she had over Courtney Casey was really impressive. And her only losses have been to two of the, the better fighters in the division in uh, Macy Barber, someone that was really hyped up, and uh, Myra Bueno Silva. Um, she's also been competing in grappling bouts uh, outside the UFC uh, in a submission underground, uh, taking on some of the best grapplers in the world, getting a lot of experience there. I think that that's only going to refine that ground game and skill that she has. Um, so... How this fight boils down, I mean, yeah, if Botello can keep it upright, she'll win. I mean, that's what Barber did, and Barber was able to pick up a TKO victory against uh, Robertson. But most people can't keep it upright against Robertson. Her ground game is too good. Her wrestling is not elite, but it's good enough. And if she gets the fight to the floor, you're in big trouble. Um, and I think that's what happens here. I think uh, Botello is not going to be able to utilize her wrestling in reverse enough. Um, I don't think she'll do enough damage on the in the brief exchanges she does have on the feet. And I think once Robertson does drag it to the floor, it's only a matter of time until she gets a submission. So my pick is going to be Robertson. Now, moving up to the lightweight division, we have Matus Gamrot, who is 17-0, taking on Gurum Kuta Taladze, who is 11-2. Now, Nick... What's the MMA odds maker's perspective on this one? Gamrod open minus 305, Kucha Taladze plus 225. And right now what we're looking over at Circus Sports and seeing is minus 310 for Gamrod, Kucha Taladze at plus 260. So another spot where line basically staying the same, not a ton of action coming in either way here in this spot. Um, I think there's a lot of people that want to go out here and bet Gamrod. I mean, undefeated fighter, serious prospect, a lot of hype behind him entering the UFC. The guy, his game plan and style 
the way he goes about business usually is phenomenal because he's such a good grinder. Uh, he pushes a very high pace. He usually is able to ragdoll his opponents and, and just have his way with them. And he's fought decent competition outside of the UFC. He's been a Cage Warriors veteran, a KSW champion. So there's a lot to like about Cameron. He's ready to make his UFC debut, and he's a special type of fighter, talented for sure. Kudalate, on the other hand, is is a very good fighter as well. I mean, there's a lot to like about him. I think his ability to kind of be patient on the feet is what I like with him. I mean, he, he usually is able to fend off the takedowns from his opponents, keep the fight upright, and then deliver some punishment on the feet. This guy hits really hard. He's a heavy hitter. He's a knockout type of artist. Um, he does have a bit of a ground game to go along with it. Again, he's always improving his takedown defense, um, and he wants to kind of dictate the pace of fights and, and keep the fight upright again and, and kind of do damage. So it's you have your grappling-based fighter in Gamera, which is a well-rounded fighter. He's got some skill on the feet as well, but he's going to want to keep this fight um, in his realm and take this fight to the ground over a guy like Kuda Latte. So Kuda Latte is going to be the one looking again to keep this fight upright and try to knock Gamron out. I don't think he's going to have success because if you look at his kryptonite, it is usually getting taken down by better grapplers, better grinders, and, and you know problematic matchups for him in that sort of way. And Gamron's tough enough where he probably is able to weather some of that storm and, and kind of dictate that type of tempo. So at the current price, though, it's hard to bet this fight. That's why I don't think this fight is steaming either way. We're not getting a ton of action because I think the line's probably appropriately set, um, and it's probably a dog or pass situation, but it's hard not to like Gamera in this spot. So I'm going to pick him to win. I think he probably does grind out a decision win here or maybe a late-round stoppage on the ground um, you know, and, and get the W and be impressive in his UFC debut. This is a good fight, though. Looking forward to this one as well. Yeah, Gamron is a guy that is somebody that should has people have had on their radar for a while for making their UFC debut. Uh, you know, being 17 and 0, uh, he was uh, the KSW lightweight champ, and KSW is a pretty solid European promotion. Um, he's got wins over, you know, Ultimate Fighter winner Norman Park. You know, this is a really, really good, solid, well-rounded uh, fighter, and I think that he's going to have a really impressive debut here. Uh, Kuta Taladze is a pretty good fighter out of the All-Stars Training Center, but and, and he's on, I think, an eight-fight win streak. The problem is he's stepping in for Magomed Mustafayev on one week's notice to make his UFC debut. This is, you know, asking a lot. Um, so basically, Kutitaladze is going to try to knock Gamrot's head off, and there's a chance he could. He is very powerful. He had a really impressive knockout over UFC veteran uh, Felipe Silva last November. So, you know, this guy is definitely capable, and he deserves to be in the UFC, even if it is a, a one-week notice uh, debut. Um, the problem is, I don't think that Gamrot gets suckered into a slugfest on the feet, because uh, he is too well-rounded, and he has really good defensive wrestling. I think that he'll stand for a little bit, but it's only a matter of time until he changes levels and puts Kuda Talade on his back and takes away that threat of the knockout. So, uh, I mean, if, if Gamrot is smart here, that's exactly what he'll do. And I think he has the skills to easily be able to implement that game plan. So I think uh, Gamrot rides out a decision from top position, maybe picks up a finish along the way on the ground. Uh, and uh, I think that he has a very successful UFC debut here. So my pick is going to be Gamrot. Now, moving on to the main card in the featherweight division, we have Thomas Almeida, who is 22 and 3, taking on Jonathan Martinez, who is 12 and 3. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? 
Almeida opened minus 190. The comeback on Martinez plus 165. That did not last long. Market coming in on Martinez as the dog. And right now it's all the way down to minus one at the comeback on Martinez at plus 115. Not surprising. I mean, it's it's also tempting. And the line actually got lower a little bit too. And it flipped to Martinez being a slight favorite at one point. And now it's coming back towards Almeida. I mean, not surprised Martinez has looked good. Uh, obviously, we know he's a serious prospect that's continuing to improve. Love what I see in him, really, because he's got that, again, nastiness about him where he, he looks to finish fights. He's got good power on the feet. He pushes a relentless pace, wrestling, eight-down defense, very good fight IQ overall, finishing ability on the ground. So Martinez is fun to watch. And again, it's awesome watching his improvement fight by fight in the octagon as well. On the other side of it, Almeida, he was one of the most touted prospects making his UFC debut and then making an early solid run in his UFC career where he was just going through his opponents, just basically knocking pretty much everybody out that he faced out after his UFC debut uh, up until he fought Garbrandt and got knocked down that spot. But that kind of did show us a little bit of a glaring weakness with Almeida and that's his chin. I mean, you know, it's maybe unfair to say because, you know, he's been in there with some heavy hitters and that's where he's been kind of affected by the most. But that being said, I mean, even the fights that he hasn't been knocked out with, I mean, you could see him take damage and get rocked in fights. So not a good look for him. I mean, he, the skill, though, offensively is there. Almeida is such a good fighter. I think he's one of the most talented fighters in all of the weight class. I mean, out of the bantamweights offensively, I think Almeida is so good. He's so precise. Um, fast, clean, smooth on the feet. He's got knockout power to go along with it. On the ground, this guy has skill offensively as well. He can submit you, no problem at all. He's got some wrestling. So offensively, this guy's a killer. And that's what's going to be dangerous here for Martinez is he's used to, you know, not, well, I shouldn't say he's used to it because he's fought good competition, but I think he's used to probably outgunning offensively most of his opponents, um, whether it's standing or on the ground. But here in this spot, I think Almeida's actually the more capable offensive fighter. So Almeida's going to have his moments and Martinez has to respect it. But when it all comes down to it and when, when it's all said and done, I have to kind of depend on and believe in Martinez's durability more so than Almeida. So I think Almeida's going to have his moments. He could definitely win this fight. And I understand why he's a slight favorite coming into this matchup. But for me, as the fight progresses, it might only take one big shot for Martinez to get through and, you know, bite down on that mouthpiece and connect and, and put Omeda out of there and then pounce on a submission or something like that or, you know, get a finish on the ground after the fact. So uh, I think Martinez can't find along the way, even if he's losing this fight. And I just trust him a little bit more at this point. I mean, it's unfortunate to say for Almeida, but that's just the way it is. Almeida has had some time off. He's had some time to kind of recoup, which I think he's needed. So hopefully he comes back in here and looks better than ever. I mean, I would love to see this be an, an excellent fight, go all three rounds and just be an all-out war. That would be fun for all of us to watch, but I'm just not so sure we're going to see it. It'll be fun while it lasts, but I'm going to pick Martinez to probably win this fight. And I completely agree. The one thing Almeida has going for him is that this fight they're both bantamweights, but they're taking the fight at featherweight. Uh, I think Martinez was happy to do it because he missed weight his last time out. And uh, Almeida was happy to do it because he's not having to cut as much weight. And that is better for him uh, with his durability. You're not uh, draining yourself quite as much. Um, and as we know, uh, Almeida has had quite a bit of historic issues with uh, his durability in terms of uh, taking a shot. Um, you know, he started his career 20 and 0 was one of the most exciting fighters on the UFC roster. And then since then has gone one in three with uh, two devastating uh, knockout losses. So this fight's going to boil down to can Almeida get that offense going 
without eating that big shot. Uh, Martinez is an exciting young up and coming fighter. Um, 26 years old. Uh, he has brutal knees. I mean, both of these guys have really good knees. Um, we've seen, uh, Almeida pick up a, an incredible flying knee knockout against Brad Pickett and Martinez. Two of his three UFC finishes have been from his knees as well. Uh, the, the win over, uh, Pingwan Lu and most recently the Frankie Sainz finish was devastating with a knee. So, um, I think, you know, knees could be a big part of this, especially Martinez, because he makes them, uh, a key part of his offense. Almeida just mixes it up with whatever's flowing at the time. Uh, he is a really exciting striker. And if he can, you know, really find a good rhythm. There's an absolute path to victory here. He just has to avoid that big knockout shot. I could totally see him winning a decision or a, no- a knockout in this fight. It's just the problem is, can he do that without taking a big shot? And Martinez also is the more well-rounded fighter of the two. I think he could potentially sneak in some takedowns uh, if Almeida is getting too aggressive on the feet. Um, the other thing is Almeida hasn't fought in a year and 10 months that's maybe great for his recovery, but how's it going to be for his performance? You know, he could be really rusty in there and just show up and look lost. Um, is he also going to be the same fighter? Is he going to be as aggressive as he used to be when uh, he was putting himself at risk and potentially uh, in a position where he could eat that big shot? So I'm really interested to see how he performs uh, because, you know, at his peak, he was one of the most exciting fighters on the roster, but... I'm going to side with Nick here. I, I'm going to side with the, the safer play here. Martinez is the more well-rounded guy. He's been fighting more actively. He's a little bit younger. He's more durable. Um, and I think that he can pick up the knockout victory along the way. So Martinez will be my pick. Now, moving up to the welterweight division, we have Claudio Silva, who is 14-1, taking on James Krause, who is 27-8. Now, Nick. What's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Cross open minus 115, Silva minus 105. And right now what we're seeing over at Circus Sports is Cross minus 145. The comeback on Silva plus 125. Kraus, just the more popular fighter. He's been such a good fighter overall in his last several, like last several years, I want to say, because he's kind of been picking his spots, you know, taking fights, not pressured into fights, so to speak, taking fights on short notice, but at the same time at his own pace. It's really strange to say, but I mean, he's kind of, I think, spread his career out well where he hasn't had that urgency. He hasn't needed to get in there and fight, you know, three times a year or whatnot, um, like a lot of these fighters do because he's got other things going for him. I mean, obviously he's uh, got a successful camp. I mean, he's a really good coach. He's he's doing a lot of good things um, as far as associated with his MMA career outside of the UFC. So he doesn't, I don't think, really need – everybody could use the extra money, don't get me wrong. But he doesn't need to kind of fight to depend on making a career or living for him. So he's been able, to, I think, mentally to come in and, and kind of enjoy fighting, which has gone a long way for him, if that makes sense, because I, I, he's looked great, man. I mean, he's been in there with really solid competition and has beaten most of them, obviously, on this little run. I mean, he's coming off of a close – Decision loss to Giles up a weight class on short notice, and he almost stole that fight. So you got to love him, man. But at the same time, in this particular matchup, I think he's going to have some problems with Silva. I mean, Krause is a very well-rounded fighter, great in every aspect of the game. Here, he's going to probably want to keep this 
fight upright and just try to destroy Silva on the feet. He's going to try to pick him apart, land more effective strikes on the feet. Silva's game plan is to get this fight to the ground. And on the ground, Silva's so smooth, so slick, the finishing ability that this guy has. And if you want to talk about underrated and people not really – respecting Silva a lot. I mean, look at some of the wins he has in his career. I mean, he's got a win over Leon Edwards, who's in the mix for a title shot right now. So, I mean, just one of those savvy vets that hasn't been in the octagon enough for people to kind of really respect his game. He's realistically the dark horse in this weight class. I mean, at welterweight, Silva has a skill set to cause a lot of problems to a lot of these guys. So the only problem with him, I think his conditioning starts to slow down as the fight progresses. And if he cannot get the fight to the floor and the fight stays upright, he does have power on the feet and he's improving in that aspect. But, I mean, he can obviously he's hittable and he can lose on the feet and he get picked apart, and maybe even finished. So, I mean, that's, again, what fighters want to do. They want to keep Silva at distance, keep him upright and try to get him out of there on the feet. So it depends really in this fight who's going to be able to dictate the fight they want to um, kind of the pace and the the area that they want to take the fight. Silva, the floor, Kraus standing up overall. I think it's going to be Silva, honestly, getting this fight to the floor, taking uh, Kraus's back and looking for that submission and getting the W here. So I'm going to actually pick Silva to win this fight straight out. I just think it's a problematic matchup for Kraus. I think people are going to start respecting Silva a little bit more. Um, but again, I do respect James Kraus always a gamer. And I, I think he's just a fantastic fighter. And I love the fact that he's steps up, Anytime the UFC needs him, takes fights on short notice. I just think, unfortunately for him, Silva's ground game is going to be too much. So I'm going to pick Silva to win, and there's probably some value at him at a dog price as well. Yeah, it's crazy to think, but uh, Kraus was on one hell of a run in the UFC uh, before his most recent split decision loss to Trevin Giles. Um, you know, before that, he beat King Mo in a grappling bout. He had wins... Uh, over Alex White, Tom Galicio, Warley Alves, Sergio Moraes, Ramsey Nijum, Shane Campbell, Darren Crookshank. I mean, just impressive, impressive wins. Those are not, you know, deadbeats that he would defeated. Most of those guys are still in the UFC. Um, I think the one that stands out to me was the Sergio Moraes fight. The fact that he survived uh, one of the best ground fighters on the roster and then finished him in the third round. Uh, Really, really impressed me. I mean, this guy has a good ground game in his own right. James Krause does, as you saw in um, back in some of his earlier fights in his career. I mean, the, he is a very capable ground fighter and has the ability to, to, to pick up finishes there. I mean, uh, he had the rear naked choke win over Darren Crookshank uh, and Johnny Nunez back on uh, the Ultimate Fighter 25. So... Um, he's more than capable on the ground. Now, granted, he doesn't want to stay there with Silva because that is Silva's world. But on the feet, he is going to be light years ahead of Silva. So it's just going to boil down to can he keep his distance? Um, I think he did a pretty good job of that against Trevin Giles at times, and that was up a weight class on super short notice. So um, you you got to feel like if he can take a fight on super short notice up a weight class against a guy that is known for having really good wrestling – and force a split decision that when he takes on somebody that is less athletic, has worse wrestling, um, and is more at his natural uh, welterweight weight class, uh, I have to feel like Kraus can get it done here. Um, we know that Silva is dangerous on the ground, and if he can smother people, um, he can win. And you got to remember, the win over Leon Edwards, it's a little deceiving. That was a long time ago. It was one of Edwards' first fight in the UFC, 
And it was the reason that Edwards decided to round out his game and add the wrestling and become a really good, solid, diverse fighter instead of just a pure stand-up fighter. So uh, I think if Edwards fought him now, Edwards would destroy Claudio Silva. It wouldn't even be close. So you got to take that win over Edwards with a grain of salt. It was a long time ago, way before Edwards really turned the corner in his MMA career. So I think that Silva is exploitable here. I mean, he just continues to pick up wins, but and I mean, he hasn't lost since the first fight of his MMA career, but I still think that he's, uh, you know, just primed to, to get defeated. I mean, he, he, you can't stay that one dimensional and keep winning. Um, so I think Kraus does avoid the ground. And I think that he does it enough to pick up points on the feet, potentially get a knockout on the feet, um, or worst case, win to decision. So I'm going to side with James Kraus here. I think he gets the job done. Now, moving up to the light heavyweight division, we have Modestus Bukowskis, who is 11-2, taking on Jimmy Crute, who is 11-1. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Crute opened minus 180, the comeback on Bukowskis at plus 155. And right now what we're seeing over at Circus Sports is Crute minus 305, Bukowskis at plus 255. So no love for the underdog here. All the action coming in Crute's way. I mean, I get it. Crute is a fun fighter to watch. Offensively, this guy can get it done, man. I mean, on the feet, he's got power. He's got that aggression. He's got finishing capabilities. On the ground as well, though, this guy has some wrestling. He's got some submission skill. So he can finish the fight anywhere it takes place. And offensively, he's so fun to watch. Defensively, though, is what you have to be concerned with a guy like Crute because he's so aggressive on the feet and any aspect of the game that he leaves defensive openings that you could kind of utilize to take advantage of. For So that, I think, is what Bukowskis can do in this fight. I mean, I don't think he gets a ton of respect anyway, even entering the UFC, and then that UFC debut win for Buskoskis, you got to give him a lot of credit, but it was a little bit, I don't know, it was, it was a strange ending and uh, against an opponent that was taking the fight on short notice, up a weight class or whatnot as well, so I think a lot of the respect isn't quite there yet for Buskoskis, and I think this is the type of fight, if he can hang in there and perform better than people expect, he will get you know, on the radar and, and more fans kind of backing him and supporting him at the betting window as well, but this is going to be a difficult fight. So if, if Bukaskis can kind of weather that early storm, I think he's going to have his moments, especially if he keep up, keep off his back, keep this fight upright and deliver some punishment on the feet and kind of utilize that advantage that he does have defensively over Crute. But Crute is going to be probably a little bit too much to deal with. I think he's, his attack is going to probably be effective enough that Bukaskis is not going to be able to, to utilize everything that he wants to. So I'm going to lean with Crute in this fight. I think that you got to give him the advantage, but I just don't trust him, especially at the price at minus 305. I don't trust him enough to kind of lay that kind of chalk. So to me, I think the line is correctly set somewhere in between. I think it's too high now, but maybe it was a little bit too low on the opener. So somewhere in between is where the line should be. So for me, I'm going to pick Crute to win this fight. But at the betting window, it's a dog or pass situation where the current line is right now. And I'm going to side with Crute as well. I think uh, he's just too well-rounded here and too athletic to to fall into some of the traps that Bukowskis might be trying to set for him. Um, you know, at age 24, Crute still has a really bright future. Uh, I know he, you know, got his O taken away by Misha Serkunov with a Peruvian necktie, uh, a year ago, but he bounced back in February, had a pretty impressive first round submission over Oleg Zaychik. Um, 
and I think that he's in a pretty decent spot here against uh, Bukowskis. Now, Bukowskis is dangerous. I mean, this guy on the feet is no joke. He's got power. His elbows are dangerous. His hands are dangerous. Um, if he does hurt you or potentially somehow get on top, his ground and pound's pretty good. So, um, Kroot can't screw around with this guy. I mean, on the feet, Bukowskis is probably the better fighter for sure. Um, but where Kroot has an advantage is he can shoot in and take this guy down. I think he's athletic. He's got pretty good wrestling. Um, he can change levels quickly. Um, I think Kroot can, is pretty dangerous and, if he does change levels and dip underneath a big strike from Bukowskis, he should be able to get him down and have some success there. Um, we've seen, uh, you know, Bukowskis, I think, is going to struggle a little bit on the ground. He's good when he's in a dominant position on the canvas, but you put him on his back, I think it's a completely different story. So, uh, you know, Bukowskis has looked good when he's the aggressor, when he's the one landing the strikes when he's in top position, but I think Kroot is going to be able to pick up some takedowns and take away some of that power. And um, we've seen Kroot pick up Kimura wins. We've seen him pick up uh, arm triangle wins. Um, this is a guy with a pretty solid overall ground game. I, uh, I'm pretty impressed with him. I mean, he even submitted Paul Craig of all people. So I'm going to side with Jimmy Kroot here. I think that he uh, continues his, uh, surge back up into uh, the top 15 in the light heavyweight division. So my pick is going to be Jimmy Crute. Now this brings us to the co-main event of the evening in the women's flyweight division. We have Jessica Andraj, who is 20 and 8, taking on Caitlin Chukagian, who is 14 and 3. Now Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Andrade opened minus 190, the comeback on Chukagian at plus 165. And right now over at Circus Sports, we're seeing Andrade minus 145, the comeback on Chukagian at plus 125. Some more action coming in Chukagian's way. We have been bet up and more action coming in Andrade's way as we get closer to fight time as well. So this has evened out quite a bit despite the line price drop. I think we're probably going to actually need Chukagian coming into the fight as far as a sportsbook goes. Um, and that's surprising. Again, you can't always tell what the books need. A lot of people are probably trying to assume, okay, this line and this price dropped. I'm just letting you guys know for reference because a lot of people believe the line movement tells all. And that's not necessarily the case um, always. So in, in this spot, this is a good example of that. It opened minus 190 market-wide, and now it's all the way down to minus 145. And we're probably still going to need uh, Chukagian in this spot to come through. So, I mean, if, if that makes sense to you guys out there, that's kind of a little insight on how um, the betting markets go. And it's not always exactly what you think as far as the betting window goes. Anyway, that being said, stylistically, this is a pretty interesting matchup. I mean, Andrade coming back to 125 pounds, the flyweight division. I think it's a good move for her. I think that obviously that's a drastic weight cut, former champ at 115 pounds. She's looked phenomenal. I mean, arguably she could have won that last fight. It was a controversial decision against Rose. She looked really good, but I mean, you got to give Rose a lot of credit in that spot too. I think up a, a a spot here up a weight class against Chukagan, which is going to be extremely long, extremely talented, technical. I mean, a very intelligent fighter training with Mark Henry. He's going to have her prepared as well. This is a tough fight going back to the flyweight division and trying to pick off a win. I understand the matchmaking here. I love it because if Andrade does get the W here, she's automatically right back in the mix for a title shot 
right away at 125 pounds. So I get it. And if Chukagin gets a W, obviously she's going to get a ton of respect and they could keep her in the mix of a title shot at 125 pounds as well. So this is a very important fight for both ladies. How it matches up, I think Andrade, obviously the heavier hitter. Um, she's a little bit more explosive as far as one punch knockout power on the feet for sure. She has that capability. She usually tends to ragdoll people as far as her wrestling and the ground game goes as well. She's got really good ground and pound and top position. Um, control and effectiveness for sure. But Chukagian, I mean, I think she showed us a lot. I mean, in the last few fights, I understand that she fought both Shevchenko sisters and it wasn't a good look, obviously, against Valentina in the title fight. But I'm saying the last few fights overall, if you look at her last like four outings, she's faced very good competition in Calderwood, Maya getting two impressive decisions there. And then backing that all up after that devastating loss to winning and defeating the other Shevchenko, Antonina, in the, her last fight, and her ground game was spot on. I mean, somebody that we typically don't see utilizing the ground and, and fighting kind of intelligent like that. Not that she doesn't fight intelligent. I mean, Shukagin's a very smart fighter, but I'm saying she needed to get the fight to the floor probably to win that fight, and she did exactly that. So I like what I see from Chukagin as far as fight IQ, her skill set. She has a very underrated ground game. Even if Andrade puts her on her back, I think the length of Chukagin on the ground, she's going to be throwing up some armbar. She's going to be throwing up some triangles and I think it's going to be very difficult for Andrade to kind of keep her down if she does get the takedowns and she might even get submitted so that's the kind of potential I think Chukagin has even on the ground that a lot of people might not expect but overall on the feet I think Chukagin is going to be a little bit more effective she's going to be obviously on her bicycle a little bit more and she's going to be able to utilize some of that length and, and do damage along the way again Andrade more of the one punch effective kind of striker, but I think Chukagin's going to mark her up. Andrade does take a lot of punishment. She eats a lot of punches, and I think that's what we're going to see here. So I'm going to go actually go with Chukagin. I think she's going to find a way to win this fight. I'll point Andrade, maybe even get a finish as the fight progresses on the ground by, you know, like I said, that length and the top position maybe finds a sub along the way. But outside of that, I think she could still outpoint Andrade and win on the scorecard. So my pick is going to be Chukagin to win here. And I understand it because Chukagin was a title contender at uh, flyweight, but I just don't see an easy path to victory here for her. Um, Chukagian is, uh, has some good length and she showcased a pretty good ground game, but she has zero power on the feet. She doesn't really, uh, have any zip on her punches. I don't think Entraj is going to respect her striking at all. And, uh, if you look back at who was able to outpoint uh, and win a stand-up fight against Chukagian, Jessica I did. And I don't think Jessica I is, you know, that much better of a striker than Chukagian. It was just she was more aggressive. And, you know, there is nobody more aggressive on the feet than Jessica Entraj. I mean, she throws high volume. She pushes forward. She wings it. And she just tries to overwhelm her opponent. And I think that Chukagian does not use distance well enough to keep her at the end of her jab like Ioana Yangchechek was able to do against Andraj. So uh, I think Andraj is going to control the feet, and when it goes to the ground, and I wouldn't be shocked to see it go there, uh, I think the only way Chukagian is going to have success on the ground is if she's the one that initiates the ground. Um, she did showcase some improved wrestling in her last fight with Ant Antonina Shevchenko, but you got to remember, you know, that's a, a Muay Thai kickboxer that transition to MMA, she is not even close to the well-rounded fighter that her sister is. So um, I don't think that Chukagian is going to have nearly as much success on the ground against Andrade as she did against Antonina Shevchenko. Um, I mean, you got to remember when 
uh, Chukagian faced Valentina, I mean, she just got creamed. She got put in uh, a little scarf hold and then um, the crucifix, and then she just got pounded out. So uh, I think what happens here is even if it goes to the ground, I think Andrade might even be getting some takedowns. Um, and Chukagian is going to have to either try to reverse or sweep or utilize her submission skills and potentially look for like a triangle or an arm bar. Uh, but even that, you know, Andrade is so powerful and strong, she might try to slam her or something. So um, I just think the aggression of Andrade, especially in a three-round fight, um, I think it's just she's going to be able to go pedal to the metal for 15 straight minutes. And I don't think Chukagian is going to be able to keep up with her. So I'm going to side with Jessica Andrade. I, I really think that this is a good matchup for her. And unless Chukagian has made serious strides in her stand-up and ground, I just don't think that she's going to be able to hang with Andrade. I think this is the weight class Andrade should have been fighting in all along. And I think that she could put herself right on the map in the flyweight division. So my pick is going to be Andrade. Now, this brings us to the main event of the evening. In the featherweight division, we have Brian Ortega, who is 14-1, taking on Chan Sung Jung, the Korean zombie, who is 16-5. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Jung opened minus 210, the comeback in Ortega plus 180, and right now over at Circus Sports, we have that exact same price. Jung minus 210, the comeback in Ortega plus 180. So there has been two-way action coming in this fight. We had some sharp action early on coming in on Ortega. As we get closer to fight day, we are seeing action back on Jung. And again, sharp actions on both sides of this fight. So a lot of heavy action coming in both ways. A lot of people are opinionated here. Obviously, stylistically, this is a great fight for both guys, meaning that Jung, if he's able to keep this fight on the feet, he's going to have a significant advantage on the feet striking. I mean, he is the the better striker overall. I think he could be the more effective striker. Uh, I mean, everything across the board, he's going to have success on the feet for sure. But you do have to respect Ortega's game, even on the feet. I mean, he's more well-known for his ground game and his submission ability. But Ortega does have power, and he is constantly improving on the feet as well. So I think that it's not going to be as easy as most people think as far as the the footwork and the feet and the aspect of things standing for Jung. Because I think Ortega, even if he's getting kind of picked apart at times, I think he can kind of bite down on that mouthpiece again and deliver some hard uh, punishment. The other way, at Jung, as we've seen in the past, I mean, if anything, if any kryptonite to his game, it's that chin a little bit. I mean, he has absorbed some punishment, and he has been stung, and he's been knocked out. And Ortega definitely has enough knockout power on the feet to get rid of him, even if he is losing that fight. And I, I like what I see from Ortega as far as durability goes. I know it wasn't a good look against Holloway. I mean, he got beat up, but he hung in there and showed a lot of toughness, man, where a lot of people would have quit and found a way out. Ortega did not have that. So he's got the pride and the ability to kind of hang in there and weather storms at times and, and come back and win. And that's the kind of fighter Ortega can be, but he doesn't need to do that. I'm not saying he's only a comeback fighter. Obviously he's got the skill. And if he's able to get the fight to the ground, even though Jung is a very capable jujitsu practitioner in his own right. I mean, this guy's slick Jung. If we're talking about submission skill, you cannot underestimate and under appreciate Jung on the ground either. This guy is, has a lot of skill on the ground and he's finished a lot of very good fighters with uh, some slick submissions in his own right. So it's not like he's a fish out of water on the ground, but Ortega 
is just a different type of beast, man. I mean, the technical skill and the unorthodox submission game that Ortega has and his ability to kind of adapt on the fly is phenomenal. So with all that said, Ortega definitely has the advantage over Jung on the ground, and he can win this fight on the ground. He can win this fight standing up as well. And Jung, of course, can win this fight by dictating the tempo, fighting very smart, and just kind of landing harder shots along the way and picking Ortega apart, maybe getting a finish on the feet, obviously, as well along the way um, and winning that way. So it's all going to come down to who implements her game plan the most. If Junk can hang in there, I think and not get finished, he probably wins either on the scorecards or gets a late finish in his own right. But I think if Ortega gets it done, it is probably inside the distance by KO or by submission. So realistically, if you're going to bet Ortega, that's what you want to do. I mean, I think if it hits the scorecards, it can be close, especially with the state of MMA judging, as we always say, even if Jung does to most of us clearly win rounds here. I mean, it could be a close one on the cards as well. So Ortega's going to have a shot in that aspect, but more so than anything else, if he hits a scorecard, Junk should outpoint Ortega along the way, right? So if you're taking Ortega, bet him inside the distance is, I think, the way to go, either by submission or by KO, or if your sports book does offer inside the distance, by the way, we do at Circus Sports. Um, so check us out for that. But yeah, if you do have inside the distance, that's probably the way to go. If you're betting Ortega, you're going to get a better price. So I'm going to probably pick Ortega. I think five rounds is a long way to go. And I'm saying probably because, again, I've kind of been flipping back and forth. I think you can make a case for the actual pick to be Jung, but the value on the betting side be Ortega. It's kind of one of those scenarios. But I'll pick Ortega straight out as well. So I'll pick and I think there is some value at the current price. It's a dog or pass situation as far as the betting window goes. I don't think you can lay the chalk. I think Ortega does have ways to win this fight. And if you're going to bet this fight, it's probably Ortega or pass. So I'm going to pick Ortega to win this fight. Hopefully it's a good one. And I'm looking forward to seeing how this one plays out for sure. Yeah, this one's really interesting because uh, Ortega, the, the biggest question mark around him is that he hasn't fought in nearly two years. Uh, the last time we saw him, uh, he was fighting Max Holloway for the featherweight title, and he got absolutely obliterated. Um, I mean, he took more damage and more significant strikes in four rounds than I think anyone had ever taken in a fight up until that point in a UFC fight. So... Um, it's really, really interesting to see how he's going to respond because that was in December of 2018. So it's been a year and 10 months since we've seen him last compete. And the last time he fought, he got his first loss of his career and it was a beating, an absolute shellacking. So um, how is he going to respond? Is he, is, did or uh, Holloway break him? You know, did, is his uh, durability going to be a, a question mark here? Uh, Jung, doesn't quite have the the pace that Holloway can put, but he does have a lot of power. So if he accumulates some strikes, can Jung take a, or take out on the feet? Um, on the ground, Chan Sung Jung is a really talented uh, grappler as well. Very underrated grappler. You got to remember, you know, as much uh, hype as Bryce Mitchell gets for his twisters, Chan Sung Jung would, picked up the first twister ever in UFC history when he did it in the rematch against Leonard Garcia. You know, this is a guy that is a talented striker uh, and has a really, really strong and unorthodox ground game. He's, he's also submitted guys like Dustin Poirier. So uh, you do not sleep on Chan Sung Jung. Um, now, Ortega, on the other hand, I think he has one of the best ground games if and when it goes to the ground of any fighter in the featherweight division, uh, just absolutely lethal on the canvas. The problem is, can he get it there easily? Um, he doesn't have the greatest wrestling. Sometimes he just takes advantage of his opponents actually taking the fight to the floor for him. So, um, 
will he be able to put Chan Sung Jung down uh, with uh, with his grappling, with his wrestling? And on the feet, can he land that big shot? Because Ortega does have a ton of power on the feet as well. you got to remember, um, he was the first person ever to finish Frankie Edgar with strikes. I mean, that was impressive, uh, picking up a, a knockout there at the end of the first round. Um, he's also knocked out Clay Guida. Uh, he has a TKO ground and pound against Tiago Tavares. So if he can get to the floor, his hands are going to be dangerous there. His hands are going to be dangerous on the feet. And his grappling is going to be extremely dangerous on the ground. I mean, he doesn't just have stoppage victories on the ground against chumps. I mean, they are Cub Swanson, Hinata uh, Moicano, Diego Brando. Uh, those are really good fighters that he was able to pick up submission victories against. So uh, if he can get Chan Sung Jung down, even with Jung having a really good ground game, I think he might be able to overwhelm him there. Um, so the way this fight boils down, uh, I think Jung is going to be the more technical striker. I think he can score points, as Nick said. I think if it goes to decision, Jung actually is the fighter I would pick. But with Ortega, I mean, he does not go to decision. I don't think he's ever gone to decision his entire career. So uh, I think every single fight uh, in his career, he's had uh, either a submission or a uh, a knockout, except I think the second fight of his professional career all the way back in 2010. So over a decade since he's gone to decision. So if Jung's going to win, can he avoid the knockout punch or the the submission for five straight rounds? That's asking a lot. Uh, I, I think Chan Sung Jung is a super talented fighter, but um, if the Brian Ortega shows up that was good enough to earn a title shot in the featherweight division, I think that he is going to be able to get the job done and at some point finish Jung along the way. So my pick is going to be um, Ortega. So that'll do it for our full event breakdown for UFC Fight Island 6. If we have any free plays to give out, make sure to follow at MMA OB Premium on Twitter because that's where we'll post them first. Um, we also have a free bet section on MMAOddsBreaker.com, and we have a free bet there from Kyle Marley right now if you want to check it out for this Fight Island 6 event. Remember, check out MMA Oddsbreaker Premium. Good luck, everyone, and hopefully the betting gods are on your side this weekend. <laughs>